this is Peter Gunnery uh, from Saxo Bank. As we talked about in our in our podcast episodes last week, we were going to do a new podcast format. This is our new intro music, and um, it's supposed to give a feeling that we'll have a conversation. And we set a, we set a schedule that every Monday we're going to talk about the week ahead and macro and FX. And I'm joined by my great colleague, uh, Sharo, uh, from our Singapore office. She's uh, spearheading our efforts on, on FX after John uh, left for other endeavors. And um, so, Sharo, you and I will be having a, a talk about the markets this week. And we have started on a very positive note. We up 3% in Hang Seng Futures uh, this Monday morning uh, here in Europe, t- European time. And it also came on the back of reforms last week in China, but also um, a, a U.S. Uh, jobs report um, that sort of pushed a little bit to the narrative on are we getting a soft landing or a hard landing? So um, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you taking away from the non-farm payrolls and, and what, what are we seeing this early morning, uh, morning here in, in, in China with the, with the positive opening? Yeah, so hi, Peter. Um, lots of uh, questions there on my first episode with you uh, right there. But uh, certainly, I think uh, we are seeing some impact of that uh, US jobs report where we did get a higher headline, 187K. Uh, but that was not enough of a hawkish surprise, really. We had some more dovish details in it, uh, especially the last two months of data kind of saw a net downward revision of uh, minus 110K. So again, you know, coming back to the point, we've uh, discussed that before, and I'm sure you've touched upon that on the podcast as well, that these payroll data are highly prone to downward revisions. Um, so this upside surprise uh, for the August number has really not been uh, proven enough. Um, and on top of that, we had uh, unemployment rate edging higher. We had wage growth moderating as well. Um, all of those were kind of signaling that, um, you know, the, the effect of the Fed tightening is filtering through to the economy. Um, I don't think there are any stark concerns as of now because the unemployment rate is still low. But keeping in mind the Fed's dual mandate, uh, the risks are getting more and more balanced. Uh, so I think that's why the markets have uh, you know, started to take off that expectation of another rate hike from the Fed um, in September particularly, uh, but um, uh, more so in this uh, cycle generally as well. I think one of the things really worth noting from that jobs report was uh, the the higher participation rate, which came out from the household survey. And, uh, you know, that's kind of uh, leading us to think uh, that more and more people who were, um, you know, on the sidelines so far are now trying to jump back uh, into employment. And that's a signal, um, you know, of uh, household budgets getting strained as well. So um, I think a really key point, because the markets so far are celebrating that soft landing we are getting. Um, and Q3 data can potentially continue to support that because of some one-off expenditure items uh, that could have pushed up spending in Q3. You know, we had these mega blockbuster Hollywood movies. We had these live events of large scale. Uh, but going into Q4, or will that spending continue to be supported? Um, uh, I think that's where the concerns really lie. And, you know, we've discussed this internally. And again, I'm sure you've touched upon that on the podcast previously about our call for stagflation light going into the end of the year or early 2024. Um, and this uh, higher participation rate in the in the jobs report was another signal on that. So I think that's really something to keep a tab on. Uh, but well, yes, of course, we've started on a positive note in Asia here today. 
uh, especially on the back of those China stimulus measures kind of broadening out. You know, we have had uh, a lot of measures on the economy, on the property sector as well. Country Garden was able to ex extend its bond deadline as well. Um, and now we also are, you know, getting some measures completely focused on the currency. So, you know, that's, there's a slight sentiment shift from, you know, where we're coming from, where we talked about China stimulus measures being too little, too late to now. Um, the fact that uh, the, the authorities are really more focused on supporting the economy and supporting the UN and club that with the kind of depressed valuation, the positioning we've seen in Chinese assets, I think it's obviously yes giving signals that we could have um, an opportunity for a tactical play in China. Maybe we should actually add, uh, Sharo, that um, you know we have these daily internal calls in our strategy team and and Redmond, our you know our expert on China. He's our strategist sitting out of the Hong Kong office. He also said that he's leaning towards being short-term bullish actually on China here. And I think there are an increasing amount of evidence pointing towards that you could tactically be be positive for, for China, on Chinese equities or risk assets uh, related to some of the things that you just mentioned. And we should also mention that he's put out a, a great piece summing up all the different uh, policy actions that took place in China last week and you know, was to start this week. It, it, it looks quite interesting. I just, you know, Talking about China, we're going to talk about you know the currencies also, and especially the Australian dollar, uh, because that's very much linked to to what's happening in in China. So, in the, if you look at the non-farm payroll, the reaction function was um, in the SOFA contracts were quite muted, but it extended maybe a little bit slightly on the positive side. So, going higher, yeah, meaning that you know rates uh, or the Fed funds rate could be uh, you know that. What would you say? You know, the probability or the or the or the pricing of that was going a little bit a uh, bit lower. Um, I mean, what, yeah. what 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 is you what are you what are you what are you what are you thinking on the on the on the Fed? I mean, is it is it you know have we paused here and then they will just keep all their options open, and and that will be supportive of other risk assets. So like, if the Fed is in a pause mode and China is it can successfully change the narrative on the short term, you would think that you know smaller. Currencies and 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 here again, this Australian dollar would would be would be benefiting from from that change of, of currency. Or, or what did you thinking? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, for the Fed particularly, I would think the risks risks are really getting balanced at this point. Like, you know, we we do see structurally higher inflation. But at this point, I think the labor market is also um, kind of getting some uh, attention. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we are potentially uh, looking for uh, a, a period of pause from the Fed from here um, until we get a clearer signal of whether the labor market loosening far more than expected or the inflation staying much higher than expected. And then we could potentially see which way the Fed goes from there. Uh, but, uh, you know, the reaction function to the, the payroll data, like you said, that was that was pretty mixed. And we saw, uh, you know, yields ending the day higher in the U.S. on Friday, uh, despite the details of the report being actually dovish. And um, if I kind of bring that into what, what that means for the FX markets as well, particularly, yes, I would think, you know, I mean, I would particularly think that if this soft landing narrative continues, then uh, the dollar rally would potentially lose some of its legs. Uh, you know, remembering what we talk about, usually, you know, the USD smile theory. So the US dollar usually does well, um, either in a no landing scenario, which we've had for the last uh, few weeks, uh, when we could continue to expect more and more rate hikes, 
or the other side of the smile theory being that you know when the risk sentiment is really bad so that brings kind of a safety bit to the dollar but now we're stuck in that middle in that soft soft landing camp and that potentially could you know mean that the dollar rally could slow down from here uh, but then like you said you know if the dollar is weakening that begs the question what gains uh, china is supporting the yuan you know maybe that's one option um, the the yields have weighed heavily on the japanese yen maybe that's one uh, option but it's it's really expensive you know on a carry basis it's really expensive to um, kind of uh, short the dollar against the yen or the yuan so um, yeah i think i mean it's going to be really a tricky environment to navigate yeah exactly and and I think you know when we talk about currencies there's always you know on the side we always we also talk about gold and and gold for a long time we, we had Ole on the uh, on our podcast last week talking about you know this certain rebound I don't know I don't know whether you have any thoughts on gold but it seems like it has turned around and it's often linked or expressed by traders and investors as it relates to you know to inflation but also you know policy rates set by central banks I don't know whether you have any comments on on what you what you think about gold at this point Um yeah potentially I'm in a fed pause if that gets completely priced in and there is some more scope of doing that there is a little bit of a probability still priced in into that fed funds futures um of some hike uh, into november so we are still in a position to kind of continue to erase that and that does mean that um you know gold could certainly see a benefit from there i think uh, ole has shown a great chart previously um you know on how the fed pause kind of brings about a strong rally in gold we've seen in previous cycles 50 60% increase in gold prices on that fed pause uh, so certainly i think that's one area we could look at if we are trying to be short dollar but again i'll come back to the point on um our call for stagflation light uh, in the end of the year which again means that the safety bid will potentially come back to the dollar and i think the narrative you know especially for the fx market from here uh will also shift a little bit uh towards economic growth now that central banks are nearing the end of the hiking cycle and i think the conversation at that point now needs to shift away from uh, the potential for more rate hikes to the scope of more rate cuts and um you know it, as it appears historically the fed has been leading and is usually the more aggressive central bank uh, in the easing cycles uh so if ecb and bank of england are expected to follow the fed um maybe by one meeting or two meetings it does mean that those rate cut expectations when we start to see them feeding in for the fed could again bring some downside pressures on the dollar as well on a temporary basis. That's some very good points, uh, Shara. And uh, I wrote a piece on Friday as well, highlighting this fact that Biden's very, very excessive fiscal impulses into the economy potentially forced the Fed to hike rates much higher than what would have otherwise been the case or should have been the case. Um, and that means that that's you know it looks like in this in these around this time now in these couple of months that the the fiscal impulse would go from being a positive net impulse into the economy to being negative and that's mm. pointing towards this stagflation that because of the excessive fiscal uh, policy rates in the US were set too high so the Fed will actually have to be at one point become quite aggressive as that fiscal impulse gets negative but shifting gear a little bit. Um, because there are two central banks that are on the tap this week. Um, tomorrow we have uh, the RBA, the, um, the Australian Central Bank, and then on Wednesday we have Bank of uh, Bank of Canada. And uh, you know those two countries are quite inter- interesting because on the one hand you have Bank of you know you have Canada that is very much linked to the U.S. economy, but they also very heavy on on energy. So so there's an export angle into the global economy, and you have 
the Royal Bank as, and you have the Central Bank in Australia and with Australia being linked to China. So I think these two potentially are, are quite key events to to track. And um, what, what are you, what, what's your anticipation of those two Central Bank meetings? Absolutely, Peter. I think the narrative for these two central banks can be quite different this week, which will be a very interesting setup, I would think. As for the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, as you said, certainly, you know, there's a little bit of that pump higher coming from that recovery in China. Um, and, you know, data, uh, if you look at, you know, July inflation numbers, they've gone down below 5% for the first time since early 2022, still quite high. But the trend of softening is pretty evident there. The July labor data has also shown signs of weakness. Uh, so that uh, does mean that the RBA will potentially pause um, tomorrow. Uh, but there are concerns that uh, the CPI could spike once more into the end of the year in Australia. Um, and that means that they will still have to leave the door open uh, for further tightening at this week's meeting. Um, and, you know, what this means for the Aussie dollar, again, getting some amount of support from China measures, from the strength that is coming back into the yuan as well. Uh, I think the Aussie dollar has uh, started the week on a solid footing uh, today in Asian hours. And um, if, if we do get that hawkish hold as well from the RBA tomorrow, potentially, and this broad risk sentiment remaining stable as well, uh, you know, we could see some further signs of strength in the Aussie dollar. But the setup for Canada, it's completely different. We got the GDP data for the second quarter out on Friday, and uh, we saw a negative print there, minus 0.2% annualized, which um, really uh, looks quite ugly when you compare it to the central bank's expectation of 1.5% gain. Uh, there was a huge slowdown in household spending. And, you know, if you look at the advanced GDP estimate for July as well, flat August PMI, again, deeper into contraction. So the, the economic signals that we're getting out of Canada are getting increasingly worse at this point. Uh, so, of course, again, Bank of Canada is expected to be on hold as well, much like the RBA, but I think the narrative will be very different. We might see a dovish hold from the Bank of Canada as compared to a hawkish hold from the RBA. So, so the setup, you know, I mean, if you're looking uh, from an FX point of view for Aussie CAD, looks very attractive going into this week. All right. I think that was some great thoughts on, on those two central banks. And I think we're getting to the end of our, our, our podcast. So, um I'll, uh, I mean, I will say that um, it has been a pleasure, um, Sharon, to have you on our first episode of the new format for the uh, the Saxo Market Call podcast. And um, I think we got around the uh, the, the most important things. So um, there's a lot to chew on for the markets. There's the takeaway from the non-farm, the way the market is pricing the economic narrative. You talked about you know the currencies, uh, the end, of potentially the short-term end of the U.S. dollar rally, depending on that on that narrative, how it's interpreted. So look for Aussie dollar, look for the Chinese currency as well. Talked about the Bank of Canada and the RBA um, reporting, you know, RBA Tuesday and then Bank of Canada on Wednesday. So that means a lot for those two currencies. Um, so I think it's going to be quite an exciting week, and uh, it was great to have you on the uh, on the podcast, Yara. Thank you, Peter. Such a pleasure. Great stuff. And we'll be back same time and place tomorrow.